everybody, everybody, get on your feet, get on your right feet. now, right oh, now, Jones, oh, Jones, Jones, Jones Jr., the best pound for pound fighter in the world, fighter in the world. Whoever don't agree, whoever don't agree, you know what? I guess y'all must have forgot, forgot, forgot. forgot, forgot. I'm Andrew Schweitzer, and you're listening to the Boxing for Free podcast. Well, it's been a week, and no signs of going back on his word, but Roy Jones has finally retired. He did so last Thursday at the Civic Center in Pensacola, Florida, where he started his famed career all the way back in 1989. Jones won a 10-round unanimous decision over Scott Sigmund, who entered the ring with 30 wins, 11 losses, and 1 draw at the time of the fight. I have managed to find it on YouTube. The fight is nothing special. It's kind of what you would expect from a 49-year-old fighter whose best days were back during the first four years of George W. Bush's administration, but um, it's a bit sad, really. I I don't mean to dwell on this too much, but this was something, the, the retirement of Roy Jones Jr. was something that should have happened back in 2004, in all honesty. Maybe 2005. I mean, if you want to make the argument, well, you know, maybe after the third fight with Tarver, then he should have walked away. Fine, whatever. But you know what? I've been playing that song of Roy Jones for a while just to get into the mood for this fight. And I, I thought, you know what? Let's look back at his whole career. So wins, or I, I say wins, but uh, what what he was supposed to have won a gold medal at the 1988 Seoul Olympics, and you know, it might—it's very easy to say that something is the worst decision in uh, amateur boxing history when amateur boxing is full of terrible decisions. However, I do think that a, a serious argument could be made that uh, the fight between Roy Jones Jr. and Park Si-hun for the gold medal at the 1988 Summer Olympics in Seoul were, or rather that was the worst. There's very little argument about that. Two of the officials who gave the decision to Park Si-hung were banned for life afterwards after an investigation. But from there, Roy Jones began to flourish. He, uh, he seemed destined for stardom and he won his first title against Bernard Hopkins all the way back in 1993. That was uh, Hopkins' second loss as a professional, and that was his first time uh, fighting for a world title. It wouldn't be the last time that those two crossed paths. Unfortunately, it happened far too late for it to mean anything. So Hopkins won, never made a, uh, or rather made only uh, just a, uh, a single defense of his middleweight title. And that was against Thomas Tate, whom he stopped in only two rounds. And then he goes up against James Tony in 1994 and did a bit of research for this. This was a real pick'em fight. Tony was being regarded as very old school, guy who just loved to fight, was very active. But uh, I remember also hearing from Sugar Ray Leonard that one of the big downfalls of uh, not downfalls, but one of the uh, 
one of the knocks on James Tony was his weight. And I've also heard stories about Tony the day before the fight desperately doing his best to make weight. It didn't help him at all. And even Tony admits, you know, he he could have made excuses here and there and said, well, you know, it, it was a weight that, uh, that threw me off my game. I was drained. I couldn't really fight. Tony has admitted, you know, Roy Jones Jr. beat me fair and square. In fact, when Jones moved up to the heavyweight division in 2003, I thought, could we possibly have seen a rematch between him and James Tony? Because James Tony was competing at the heavyweight division at that time, but it just never happened for whatever reason. Who knows? Could have been money, could have been Roy just didn't feel that a rematch was necessary. Maybe Tony didn't want it. Who knows? And I wasn't watching boxing when Roy was in his prime, when he was at light heavyweight, his, his true best. But there was also a knock on Roy Jones Jr. And Jim Lampley put it well in this uh, Beyond the Glory documentary from ESPN. Some of Roy's fights look like sparring sessions because the difference in talent is so obvious. And yet Roy doesn't seem to want to maximize that difference uh, and take it through to the obvious conclusion of a quick finish. It's almost as though he's practicing his art. And I'm not going to deny that Roy Jones cannot be faulted for being more talented than his opponents. You know, there's nothing he can do about that. But I can understand the knock of, you know, his fights being... I don't want to say boring because Roy Jones, you know, he, he could be very flashy in his fights. You know, it's almost funny that a fighter could do this in the ring and still dominate in the manner he does. But... I, I think people would sometimes look at the, the rematch between him and Montel Griffin, where he just destroyed Griffin in one round. He landed these uh, beautiful series of left hooks. The one that sent Griffin into the ropes is one of the best. You look at that, and then you think, well, why can't he be like that all the time? But for, for a while, Roy Jones Jr. kept teasing a move to heavyweight. In the February uh, 1997 edition of Ring Magazine, it says on the cover, Roy Jones and the Heavyweights, the biggest challenge of all. Now, I've not been able to find that article despite my best efforts. Uh, I've even tried finding the magazine at a bookstore that carries old issues of Ring Magazine, no dice. But uh, in the special holiday edition of Ring Magazine uh, later that same year, there is Roy Jones Jr. on the cover flexing his bicep, and it says, Roy Jones, when he's motivated, he's unstoppable. Got that, Evander? Kind of teasing a great a great super fight. You know, the reigning light heavyweight champion moving up to challenge for the heavyweight championship of the world. Kind of like what Michael Spinks did in the 80s. That would be, you know, that's going to put butts in seats. I don't care who you are. I think it would sell. But... It just kept going nowhere, and he would apparently be talking about it. And again, in uh, November of uh, the following year, 1998, Roy Jones Jr. on the cover of Ring Magazine again. Three belts aren't enough. What the fans demand of Roy Jones. And again, these are all articles I can't find, but I imagine that they were saying, look, you know, you're making this too easy for yourself against these light heavyweights who don't have any chance. Maybe move up to heavyweight. Challenge uh, Lennox Lewis or uh, Evander Holyfield. 
And finally, in October the following year of 2000, once again, Ring Magazine, Roy Jones Jr. on the cover, but this time it says, move up or shut up. We're sick of Roy Jones's heavyweight tease. Well, the, the, the tease finally ended in 2003, but it wasn't against the universally recognized heavyweight champion, Lennox Lewis, who was coming off a demolition of Mike Tyson. No, instead, Roy Jones Jr. thought that he would challenge for the WBA heavyweight title, which was held by John Ruiz. And Roy spoke about why he took this fight at a press conference a few days before the Ruiz fight. People constantly ask me, why you take this fight? Why you take this fight? Why you take this fight? Well, there's a lot of reasons I took the fight. Uh, for one, we get tired of seeing me beat up on people my size. It's just start feeling unfair. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, you know what? They want to see me get beat. They want to see me get knocked out. They want to see me hurt. They want to see me bleed. Let me find somebody who has all these capabilities to be able to produce this for them. So I went and I looked and I looked and I looked. Then wham, I seen Evander, the real deal, sit on his ass. I said, wow, that was somebody who can punch. That was somebody who's deadly. Me and this man about to go to war. Understand I'm coming that's what I come here for. I ain't come here to play and I ain't found nobody that I thought I could beat. I found somebody that's gonna put up just as much as I'd be willing to put up. He gonna put up everything. He got a country, he's a heavyweight, he got everything on the line to lose. He can't come out there half-stepping. So I know he ain't gonna come half-stepping. But that means I'm going to be four-stepping because I got to be out in front of him. Understand where I'm coming from? So come next, come this Saturday night, I got to be there. I got to be there. So all that junk you heard about Roy ain't showing up. Roy don't want to fight. Man, this is what I lay at home and dream about. I told you how to tape up my hands when I sleep at night because I be hitting the walls trying to fight somebody. You know what I'm saying? I love to fight. This is what I do for a living. When are they going to wake up and realize this? So all that bullshit they've been telling you all about me, it ain't true. I fight for a living. Now, I hear that, and I just think, really? That's the reason you want to fight John Ruiz is because he knocked down an old Evander Holyfield? Really? That, 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 that's the best you can come up with? You, you, there's no reason why you want to challenge Lennox Lewis, a guy who utterly defeated Iron Mike Tyson, vanquished him from the upper echelon of the heavyweight division, perhaps, uh, perhaps for good? There's no reason why you want to try to duplicate what Michael Spinks did by going after the big dog in the heavyweight division, Lennox Lewis, because Lewis has a country that he represents. Hell, technically he's got three. He's got Great Britain, Jamaica, Canada. So it, it just didn't make any sense to me. I thought that a fight between Lennox Lewis and Roy Jones Jr. would have been a great classic, a real pick em fight. But, uh, no, it, it wasn't happening. It, it's one of those great fights that, uh, that that just never happened for whatever reason. Uh, I've asked Lennox Lewis why. Well, I say I've asked him. I've asked him on Twitter, but uh, never got a reply because I imagine that he gets thousands an hour. So, either way, but it was after those fights, or rather after the fight with John Ruiz that things started to go downhill for Roy Jones Jr. There were the two fights with Antonio Tarver, one that uh, people say he, you know, there's a good case that you could say he lost the first Tarver fight. There is no argument that he definitely lost the rematch because he got knocked the hell out with a brutal, beautiful left hook from Antonio Tarver. And a lot of people said at that point, okay, Roy, just stop. 
just stop, stop, stop. But he kept going. And it was just, why? Why are you doing this? You know, another, uh, an even more devastating KO by Glenn Johnson. That one, that one I think was even worse than the first Tarver knockout. And then he gets, uh, almost a year after the, tar- or the, the Glenn Johnson fight, excuse me, he has the rubber match with Tarver and loses a wide unanimous decision. At that point, he should have walked away, but he announces that, no, he's going to keep going. And you, you just got to think, why? Because Roy Jones Jr., whether you agree with his decisions or not, he's always prided himself on his intelligence. And he's also spoken about fighters getting hurt in the ring. And I imagine with what happened to Gerald McClellan, who, uh, you know, was never ever the same after his fight with Nigel Benn, and that's putting it lightly, you would think, why do you have to, why do you keep doing this if you don't have to? I mean, this is what Roy actually uh, had to say about. Th- well, this is these are his words before the losses to Tarver and Johnson. Despite all his great success, Roy is haunted by the brutality he's seen in the sport of boxing. He sat at ringside as an expert commentator as junior lightweight Jimmy Garcia received a lethal beating, and he was devastated by his own bout against Vinny Pazienza, a fighter who had just come back to boxing after suffering a broken neck. So I was afraid he might get re-injured and miss his neck up and may kill him. But I was very afraid. I don't want to kill him, but... And I can understand him not wanting to kill anybody. Nobody wants to do that, especially in a boxing ring. But there is always this deep fear in boxing fans like, oh, no, you know, Roy's fighting again. Oh, he's the one who's going to get killed, not the other guy. You know, that's what that's what everybody was worried about. And yeah, after the uh, after the three losses in a row to Tarver and Johnson, he would have a few fights where he'd look good, kind of either fool himself or fool the audience into thinking that he was back, he still had it. Then it was the loss to Joe Calzaghe for the light heavyweight title. That was, I think, as far as I know, the last time Roy fought for a legitimate championship. And then it's, you know, more victories against no-hopers or a who's who of who gives a damn, followed by losses. And again, three losses in a row. Who would have ever thought... In in 2009, when uh, when uh, he got knocked out in the in one round by Danny Green, I mean, go back to 1999 and say, you know, 10 years from now, Roy Jones Jr. is going to be at the lowest point of his career and he's going to get knocked out in the first round. Somebody would have smacked you silly and said that's never going to happen. But I mean, the rematch with Bernard Hopkins, which was, you know, pointless and meaningless by that point. And, uh, you know, after that, it's just what I've said before. Fighting opposition who you know have no chance, people who have 14 wins, 8 losses, or 10 wins, 6 losses, 12 wins, 9 losses, Roy beats them with ease, okay? But then he steps up the competition. I mean, even somebody like Enzo Macaronelli, who, you know, he's not going to be making anybody's top 10 greatest fighters list, okay? But, you know, he steps it up against Enzo and got knocked out in four rounds. And then he's... I don't know what it is with Roy. Whether he is addicted to fighting or whether he's broke. But regardless, I I hope that with this retirement now, that 
you know, he's got some money and that he sticks to commentating. So what is the ultimate legacy of Roy Jones Jr. at this point? Well, he's a fighter who showed that, you know, hard work and natural talent does pay off. It does pay off, but he also will serve as a lesson to fighters of what can happen if you don't walk away at the right time. So, obviously, I've gone on about this man for long enough. You know, next time I want to be talking about him is for his eventual induction into the International Boxing Hall of Fame, or if he says something funny on uh, HBO. I mean, remember the time he called Bernard Hopkins a coon? Yeah, I have no idea what the hell is happening there. Either way, Roy Jones, thank you for the memories. You know, thanks to YouTube, all of your victories will be preserved for countless generations to observe and, you know, just bask in your greatness. And please, no comebacks. No comebacks, Roy. You've earned your retirement. Okay, moving on. Adrian Broner, dear oh dear, can this poor kid stay out of trouble? The answer to that question apparently is no, because this past Tuesday, Adrian Broner was arrested and booked into Atlanta's Fulton County Jail on misdemeanor charges of sexual uh, sexual battery. Yeah, ooh, it's uh, not good. Uh, according to TMZ, a woman has accused Broner of inappropriately groping her while at the Lenox Square Shopping Center. And Broner, of course, is insisting that he didn't touch anybody and uh, that the woman is making this up after he refused to take a picture with her. He was arrested early uh, Tuesday morning and he was out the same day on $2,000 bond. Uh, he will be back in court on February 28th in uh, state court, according to the Fulton County Sheriff's spokeswoman. And it, like I said, Broner is insisting that this is a false accusation from a fan. He, he, oh, I, I really hope that, I, regardless, I hope that the uh, truth comes out. And it's going to be very sad if that is the case where... Adrian Broner, you know, just said, no, I don't want to take a picture of you. And somebody got pissed off and said, well, you know, well, he, he touched me. But at the same time, Broner is no stranger to uh, legal troubles. I mean, let's just look at the list of uh, assault or not assault charges. But uh, let's just look at his criminal history. It includes charges of robbery in 2010 and 2007, aggravated robbery in 2007. I... I don't know. I have an uncle who's a judge, but maybe he'll explain to me what the difference is between robbery and aggravated robbery. Felonious assault in 2007. Gun charges in 2007 and 2008. Domestic violence in 2008. Intimidation of a witness in 2008. And battery in 2013. Good God, the dude's got more criminal charges than he has, you know... <laughs> oh... I was trying to make a joke about how his uh, criminal record is almost longer than his boxing record, but, you know, that that's just a bad joke and a bit lazy on my part, so I'll apologize for that. But this isn't what he needs. Uh, in a little over two months, he's going to be facing Omar Figueroa in what I've called a do-or-die fight for Adrian Broner because at this point he needs a victory, and doing it against an undefeated opponent like Figueroa would 
sort of keep his career alive, give it a boost that he needs, especially since Figueroa is a dangerous puncher. But he does not need this weighing over his head going into a training camp if he's not already in camp. Ugh. Regardless, I, I hope that, that the truth does come out about this, whatever it may be. And, yeah, Adrian Broner, maybe just, uh, I don't know, hire bodyguards or just stay out of trouble. A-B means always busted. Moving on. And, of course, this Saturday, we've got the uh, the two big fights I talked about in previous podcasts a few weeks ago. First off, we got Danny Garcia making his big comeback after his first loss to Keith Thurman. He will be taking on Bose. This is going to be taking place at the Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas, Nevada. Rios has a record of 34 wins, 3 losses with 1 draw. And Danny Garcia, 33 wins, 1 loss, as I mentioned to Keith Thurman. 19 wins by way of knockout. Who am I pre- uh, predicting is going to win this fight? This is not a tough question, folks. It's Danny Garcia. Okay? Now, I don't want to take anything away from Victor Ortiz. Because he's... This is going to be taking place. Very entertaining bouts. The first two with Mike Alvarado. You know, he's always willing to slug it out with whoever the hell he's fighting. But if I can be perfectly honest, this dude is a walking heavy bag. Okay? I'm not expecting to see a great amount of technical skills, okay? I'm expecting him to get, you know, punched in the face a lot. He'll probably land a few shots of his own. He'll go back to the corner after the first round, say me gusta to uh, Robert Garcia, his trainer, go out, kind of do the same thing again, except his opponent, in this case, Danny Garcia, is going to be landing more punches, and after each round, Robert Garcia is going to be saying, come on, like he usually does in between rounds. He's going to be urging Brandon, come on, you got to pick it up. You know, your career's on the line here, but it doesn't matter, okay? Danny Garcia is going to win. I think that, uh, I'm not sure if he's going to, uh, slowly break Rios down, kind of like how Timothy Bradley did, and surprise, or stop him, which actually surprised me and a lot of people when Bradley did that, but, uh, regardless, I think that Danny Garcia is going to win a clear unanimous decision in this fight, so, no surprise there, this bout is scheduled for 12 rounds, so, you know, Danny Garcia, wide unanimous decision. But, you know, the fight that everybody really wants to hear me talk about is, of course, Devin Alexander against the chosen one, Victor Ortiz. <laughs> okay. I, oh, I, I've been looking forward to giving my prediction to this fight because I, I told Justin uh, online, I told him, yeah, I'm picking Victor Ortiz to win by murder in the first round. Now, obviously, that, that's a joke, and I, I find it kind of comical how I've completely done a 180 with my attitude towards Ortiz, but okay, Devin Alexander coming into the ring with a record of 27 wins, 4 losses, 14 wins coming by way of knockout against Victor Ortiz, 32 wins, 6 losses, 25 wins by way of knockout. Oh... I'm having a bit of trouble at times because, uh, you know, 
I, I think about how talented Devin Alexander is, but I also think about how entertaining Victor Ortiz is and how it's easy to get caught up in those types of brawls like he did against Andre Berto. But, mm, you know what? I also have to think about uh, Devin Alexander and how sometimes he's not boxing to be entertaining. He's just boxing to win. That was something that Mary Spencer years and years ago uh, mentioned to me about. I, I was talking about how fighters like Bernard Hopkins and Floyd Mayweather, they are the best in the sport, but people say they're boring. And she said to me, well, the reason for that is they are not fighting to be entertaining. They're just fighting to win. She says, you can be entertaining as much as you want, and you can still lose, but you can be as boring as people want, and you you win. So we've seen this uh, kind of fight from Devin Alexander in the past. He did it against uh, Randall Bailey. He did it against Marcos Maidana, and I think he's probably going to do the same thing here against Victor Ortiz. Uh, Ortiz can talk about how much he wants to be a champion again, but I just don't see it happening. I I hate to be the bearer of bad news, Victor, but I just don't think that Saturday night is going to be your night. I'm picking Devin Alexander to win. Like, like Like Danny Garcia, I'm picking Devin Alexander to win a wide, unanimous decision. And, uh, you know... It's too bad for Victor. I'm sure this will not derail any of his dreams of becoming a champion again. But if, uh, you know, Victor, if you're out there and you're listening, just so you know, uh, you know, I've got the cool running slow clap. I've got that saved. So if you happen to win the fight against Devin Alexander, I'll be playing that for you. So... You know, think about that. You know, sure, the mil- the, the money's nice, the titles, the recognition, the, you know, that that's all nice, but, you know, nothing tops the cool running slow clap, just so we're clear. But uh, anyway, I'm going to be back in a few weeks to give uh, my thoughts on those fights. I honestly don't know if I will be able to catch the Victor Ortiz-Devin Alexander fight. I'm still trying to figure out which channel is hosting it. I know it's up. I'm pretty sure it's part of the PBC lineup. But the question is, which uh, channel is hosting it? Uh, Rios versus Garcia, that's on Showtime. But I'm still trying to figure out which channel has that. I'll know by the time it happens on Saturday night regardless. But uh, if you want to follow along with me, if I happen to be watching the fight, go to twitter.com slash boxing for free. That's boxing, the number four, and free. And you'll be able to follow along follow along hmm, with my tweets as I'm watching the fight. Or if I'm just like everyone else who, you know, doesn't have it and either just following along on social media or, you know, I might stream it. No, 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 no. We don't do that. We, we encourage people to do it if the fight's going to suck, but no, I don't do that myself. Not that I tell you people. <laughs> anyway, I will be back in two weeks to uh, cover the aftermath of those fights as well as discuss any more boxing news that might be coming up in the f- next few weeks. Anyway, that's all we have for you this week. We hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the Boxing for Free podcast. You can find us online at www.boxingforfree.com. That's boxing, the number four, free.com. 
Twitter.com slash boxing for free. Be like Arislandi Lara, Robert Guerrero, Berman Stavern, Millerad Zizek, Adana Stevenson, Glenn Johnson. Wow, that's a lot of famous boxers and hundreds of others. And follow us on Twitter. Go to YouTube.com slash boxing for free and like us on Facebook. Go to Facebook.com slash boxing for free page. You can subscribe on iTunes, Podbean, and several other podcast directories. If you use iTunes, give us a review and let everyone know that the Boxing for Free podcast is your source for boxing news and commentary. I'm Andrew Schweitzer. Thank you for listening, and we hope you tune in next time. Y'all must have forgot, forgot, forgot.